0: Good afternoon everybody, a very warm welcome to this uh, webinar which will be launching Exporting Educational Excellence uh, which is the uh, fifth report WildSearch Search have produced in the last eight or nine years on the theme of, of British education and its value both to the economy and also uh, as an export and so uh, we're delighted uh, with this report and this webinar to be supported by Alpha Plus Group, uh, who have long been a partner of ours uh, in looking at these sort of areas. Um, we're joined today by uh, their Chief Executive Mark Hanley-Brown. Uh, in a moment, I'm going to introduce Mark and other panellists, um, who will just tell you a little bit, a bit about what they do and where they're doing it. Um, I hope most of you will have seen already the link to the report um, and it's now available on our website to download some of you may have even received hard copies if you're interested in uh, receiving them just let us know Um, we're going to keep this session to about 45 minutes so we've got about eight or nine topics uh, which Gives us about five minutes each. So, without further ado, I'm going to ask Mark to uh, introduce himself, uh, and then I'll um, I'll introduce others, and then we'll get into the, the, the subjects we've got to discuss. Mark.
1: Um, well, I'm, I've been the chief executive for three years at uh, Alpha Plus, and and uh, before I came, there was long association between Alpha Plus and Wild Search, and indeed we sponsored uh, two of the previous publications on. Uh, exporting excellence abroad. And in particular I wanted to write a chapter about China uh, where we have sort of two interests and I know that's coming up as one of the topics, so I won't say any more about that. Uh, but just in case you don't know about Alpha Plus, uh, we have 20 schools and colleges, uh, 19 of them are in the UK, the majority are in London uh, and we have one school on the Upper East Side in New York.
0: Thanks very much Mark. And Carl.
2: Uh, Good afternoon, everybody. I'm uh, Carl. I'm the director of overseas schools at King's College School in Wimbledon. Uh, We've got four overseas schools, overseas sister schools, two of them are in China. Uh, One is in Bangkok, fairly new, only opened last Thursday. And uh, also hot off the press, we signed an agreement with the International School of Monaco uh, only last month. So it's been a, a rapid growth over the last two years or so, really, since the first two schools in China opened.
0: Good, thank you. And then from uh, from London to uh, Shropshire uh, to to well Shropshire and the world to to Megan, please. Yeah.
3: Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Megan Tamilarison. I'm the International Development Director at Shrewsbury School here in the UK. Um, we started our international journey back in 2003 in Bangkok, Bangkok in Thailand, uh, setting up the first of our schools there, which is now a successful, thriving day school four pupils aged three to 18, uh, with about 1783 pupils as of latest role. On the back of that success, we've set up another campus in Bangkok in 2018. uh, And at the same time, we set up a school, a primary school in Hong Kong. And we're just in the process of looking at China, in fact, more than looking at China, uh, well underway in terms of setting up a further three schools there. Uh, so very pleased to be here, and look forward to telling you a bit more.
0: Good, thank you very much. I should have said that that although Carl has not contributed to this report, um, we did have in in its prequel, uh, which we launched a year ago, uh, again with with Mark and Alpha Plus uh, exporting excellence, and and so what Kings has been doing um, uh, is is in there, and that is also on our website if you'd like to download it. Uh, and finally, Pat.
4: Thank you Edward. I'm Pam Mundi. Good afternoon everyone. Um, I'm Executive Director of Pam Mundi Associates which is a consultancy. Uh, I'm also a trustee of ACS International and a member of lots of other boards and I guess if my colleagues here have their specific interests, my interest is the rest of the world including those countries. Um, I'm fortunate enough to work with ministries of education, start-up schools, investors and school groups and individual schools across the world. So um, my my contribution is slightly different to my colleagues, but uh, I hope no less so for that.
0: Good, thank you very much everybody. Uh, So I thought I would go in at the deep end and the question that I'm sure everyone that is watching today will want to hear the answers to is What about the last six months? So how has COVID affected you, your businesses, your schools, um, either um, here or abroad? I guess the focus, particularly for today, is abroad, but it'd be interesting to have your reflections. Um, So um, would you like to go first on that, Mark? Yes, I mean, our schools business
1: has held up very well um, here in the UK. Um, The college business, of course, has been affected, and I did write about that uh, in my chapter. Not all bad, (laughs) uh, but obviously recruiting from abroad, there's fewer people willing to get on the plane and travel. And where our colleges have been innovative is actually saying, well, you don't physically have to come. You can join online, and we've done that. And Actually, in Cambridge, over 100 students, new students enrolled have done exactly that. Uh, And they'll be joining us hopefully in October or November or whenever they can get over, depending on which countries they're coming from. So that's been innovative and quite exciting because actually looking ahead after Covid you wonder well actually if there's demand for this you know looking ahead perhaps we should be uh, offering a blended learning package where you spend some of the time in the UK um, and uh, obviously uh, the rest of it done remotely. Uh, So that's been an interesting effect. Looking the other way around we're supporting a lot of schools in China and Hong Kong with their early years program. And obviously for a long periods of time, they've been shut. So that has, that has been very difficult for them. Fortunately, we're on a service agreement. So it's difficult for them, uh, more difficult for them than for us in the sense that they've engaged our services. But then obviously we can't deliver for them until they reopen. But we have been able to do some training and uh, get our training side sorted out so that when they reopen, then we're able to uh, move them along a lot quicker. So that's a that's a different type of
0: project. I'll let other people have a say as well because I yes um, maybe Pam, because you're obviously dealing with a, a wide range of, of, of different clients. Um, what's your take on the well let's let's focus on the good news of, uh, out of the last six months. Mark's obviously um, identified there there's the scope for sort of hybrid and and, and a, a blended model uh, for the future uh, which uh, I know another a number of educational institutions we work with have, have sort of uh, shared that that view but what, what's your perspective on on that?
4: I guess i I, wouldn't, I don't know whether you'd call it fortunate or not, but I followed the curve of the virus and vote and of course the curve of schools closing, going online, opening again across the world through ch- from China through to currently Brazil um, and everything in between and I have to say i I think it's an, a really positive picture because although you know I hold the pieces of a jigsaw, what I see is that there is light at the end of the tunnel, and all of the schools, particularly working through China who have closed and opened, the picture is positive because the schools have gone back into it with with great gusto. They haven't seen a huge amount of attrition in terms of staff or students. Um, For some countries, early childhood has been an issue, Mark, because it's it's interesting what you say, because they've been, in some countries, the last to go back and in other countries the first to go in, almost as as a test bed, but there doesn't seem to be a negativity about this at all. I think the issue and it's something I I would advise colleagues to do, is to look at the lessons learned from the countries who've already gone through that process. Um, And also, investors don't seem to have been deterred by what's happening. And one said to me the other day, whatever we do, Pam, we never waste a good crisis. Now, whether that's a positive or a negative, um, but it certainly doesn't seem to have been a negative approach at all. So my sense is, you know, this will be over, this will come to an end, or we will learn to live with it. But I don't think people should be deterred from looking internationally at all, simply because of this.
0: Well, I think that that's brilliantly leads into uh, the other two panellists and, and and they both uh, reported or trailed um, good news stories uh, about their own development. So Maggie, would you like to say a little bit more about your uh, plans and, and particularly I, I just wanted to move a bit in towards China because obviously China has been in the news quite a lot recently um, and um, there are uh, clearly very positive relationships between many English, uh, British educational institutions and China, which are well established, a number of others. Uh, deals are sort of in the pipeline. So um, could you just tell us a bit more, Megan, about your your plans in that area and and, and really, you know, how you see as well the the, the post-Covid landscape, I suppose?
2: Mm.
3: So in terms of our plans in China, we're looking at two schools in uh, Guangzhou and one in the Shanghai region in Jiading. And those are uh, well underway, so the plans are firmly in place. Uh, And I think, you know, it will be no surprise to anyone that things have been somewhat set back by the events of recent months. Um, But I have to say that, you know, there's a real momentum re-emerging now in China and, you know, we're certainly seeing signs that having come out of the other end, hopefully, um, you know, the activity in China is really ramping up and we're seeing really good progress on those projects. Uh, more broadly, I would echo Pam's comments uh, with regards to investors. It somewhat took us by surprise, I have to say, but we've had a number of inquiries from China and I would say the wider Southeast Asia region recently as well. So again, although you know there's a lot of doom and gloom in the papers, uh, in the West in particular, Uh, I think there is a sense of emerging opportunity again in the Asia region and people seem to be responding to that. And we've certainly had some very encouraging uh, conversations around that. Uh, And I think China, you know, generally a comment I would just make is that, you know, we sometimes forget what a large country it is and what large variations there are and you know as i mentioned at the uh, outset in the intro we do have a school in hong kong and part of our thinking with guangzhou is really around the greater bay area and the strategic plans that the chinese government has for that region uh, but that is very different in context from other parts of the country and so you know the point i want to make is that i think when you're talking about china you really do have to look at the the nuances uh, and you know things like local permits dealing with local education development boards uh, getting the necessary licenses and so on you know all those things happen at multiple levels and one mustn't lose uh, sight of the complexity when dealing in china and and you know the the importance of local knowledge and local um you know feet on the ground to help you through that i think is is imperative so just some Thank the, you. you uh, to kick us off on China.
0: Yeah, thanks, uh, Carl. Perhaps you could just um, share, tell us a little bit more about, uh, particularly those who haven't um, seen our earlier report um, about what Kings has been doing and, and indeed any future plans in in China. And then perhaps I could ask you to to, to take us over to Monaco because I'm sure everyone's <laughs> interested there, was nice, there. Nice
2: little bridge. <laughs> Well, it's interesting (laughs) hearing everybody, and and certainly looking ahead, I I will come to that. But if I reflect briefly on the last six months, having had two schools open during that period uh, in Wuxian, in Hangzhou, which is just about 45 minutes by bullet train from Shanghai, and actually it was interesting. I was out there for board meetings the week before the Chinese New Holiday started, at which point all the teachers went off into all parts of the world. And then obviously the crisis really hit and it became uh, really widespread and, and the knowledge of it uh, kind of in the, in the Western world started to emerge. And it was very difficult to convince staff to go back to China in February, mid-February. Now fast forward six months, I think they've come out, China has come out incredibly robust from, of this crisis really. And it is, as somebody said before, it is back to normal. Life is in in many ways back to normal. The schools are fully open, they were closed from February till April, May, different year groups started back at different times. But that was a real challenge. And that to some extent is actually still a challenge in the immediate future. To get staff into China is obviously very, very difficult. Senior staff, you can get uh, exemptions, but for normal teaching staff, it is very difficult to to get back in, in, in our experience. So it has been an interesting six months really for us in, in, in China, uh, but I would agree that the outlook is, is positive and we are looking at more projects and the appetite there for more, for more schools of these partnerships is really there in our opinion and in our experience. So that's just a bit reflecting on COVID and maybe just Monaco because you, you you made this nice bridge from Wuxi Hangzhou to, to Monaco. Uh, it's a very different partnership for us, obviously. So far, we've done the schools in, in China and then Bangkok, which were all three startup schools. So you're going through a two year, 18 month phase of startup. Uh, the International School of Monaco is an existing school and it has been in existence for 25 years. Uh, so it's a very new ground for us as well, uh, but really exciting. Uh, very different uh, opportunities, different challenges. But we're really excited about working with with the International School of Monaco and and we hope to really help with that development. The, The ambition is really to turn it into one of the leading schools in Europe and we're very committed doing as much as we can to help with that development.
0: Thanks, Carl. And I, w- I wonder whether um, I might just ask you, Mark, to um, because as I say in our earlier report, which we launched last year, uh, without a webinar, simply with a, a reception. Um, but uh, which we'd like to be doing both this year, of course. But but we're not allowed to. But um, Mark, can you just tell us about, about Alpha Plus going to Washington? Because that that was an interesting. Um, uh, sorry, to New York, which was an interesting. Um, uh, development as well, wasn't it, which you already covered in the, the earlier report, but um, just as we look at uh, wider territories in which you might set up um, an international partnership.
1: Yeah, I mean like, like Carl, we, 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 we like to support other schools, so we, we, we do uh, have, as I say, educational services that we offer to existing schools, which is what Carl is describing with the ISM. But in New York we wanted to create our own school and the concept was a British school in New York. uh, And, you know, one of the things they do like uh, about the British education is we move people forward very quickly at a very young age. Um, And uh, I think they're very pleased and impressed with what we've managed to achieve with the three-year-olds, the four-year-olds and the five-year-olds. There was a a lovely story about uh, uh, one of the girls going home to her uh, mother and saying, you know, at lunch, we had uh, some tomatoes today, uh, and, and uh, the mother says, "But you hate tomato uh, tomatoes." And she goes, "Yeah, I hate tomatoes, but I love tomatoes." And we had those at lunch today. And um, this whole, we really have moved things forward very well. It's been it's been a a good popular success at the bottom end. Obviously, the children are getting older. they have now got up to third grade, um, so it's growing slowly. We wanted to grow it from the base. Um, But it's been a really interesting experience for us to uh, take a brand from London, Weatherby brand, and Pembridge Hall and uh, take it over to the States and see if we could replicate some of the Weatherby and Pembridge magic over there and so far so good.
0: Well, thanks, Mark. And I think that brings me to, to a question for Pam, really, which is, um, you know, obviously we've talked about King's, about Shrewsbury, about Alpha Plus and, and your schools. Um, what do you think it is, Pam, that makes uh, replicating or sharing or, 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 or um, exporting uh, British, a British uh, education, the sort of traditional independent schools, almost entirely at the moment, although I think there are state schools obviously entering this market and, and hopefully partnerships will, will come there too. But what is it that, that makes investors and partners in, in all these countries we've mentioned and others want to um, create these relationships?
4: I think there's a couple of things that are absolutely essential and and it's on both sides of the coin really for investors and I think this is becoming more and more pertinent now, I don't know if it was some years ago, is that I think investors are looking for schools in the UK who have really, really done their homework on the territory that they're going into. Um, You know, I've been on calls, I've had conversations with people who said we, we quite fancy, I had one the other day, quite fancy Los Angeles. And when we ask the question, why? Well, someone had been on holiday there, which is the worst thing. It's a bit like trying to buy a house, isn't it? Been on holiday for a week, thought it was a great idea. So investors are looking for the the security of a school, really looking hard at the territory it's going into, doing that homework, and also for the school really knowing its own DNA. I, I cannot stress that strongly enough. And will that DNA translate effectively into the new territory? before you go any further if that's not in place then investors are becoming very wise to the fact that it is doomed to failure but it's also for an investor to know both sides of the coin to know who the key people are and maintain the connection with the key people on both sides and keep that communication going i I think those are absolute essentials but but the real key is know the place you're going to And know your own school and know that simply transplanting a beautiful school um, that I see in front of me there into another country is never going to work unless you really know which parts of it will translate well. And also market study, feasibility study, absolutely critical.
0: So j- just on that point, uh, Pam, uh, many thanks. Um, you're you're sort of uh, really, I guess, bringing us into the territory of you know what lessons have been learned. I mean, we've we've got uh, on this uh, webinar, obviously, it, you know, three experienced um, players in the, in the international. Market, which uh, which is great. We've got. I should also mention Morton Hall, which is which is in the report, and Rygate Grammar, uh, and they've gone to uh, other territory, uh, further territory as well. Um, so, um, what would others like to add? Maybe, Megan, I'll ask you. What, what what do you think in, in terms of just a variety uh, of dos and don'ts? Um, if you're if you're a school, if you're someone watching now who's a chair of governors or a head who's saying, actually, this all makes a lot of sense. We've read the report let's crack on with it um what are the what are the sort of things they need to take into account really two or three points from each of you would be great
3: well the first thing i'd say is just to echo the sentiments around the importance of the fit with the investor and the partner i don't think i can overemphasize that and in a sense uh, i think it mentions in the report that location is secondary i think if you get that fit with the partner you're pretty much there in terms of you know success for the future and you know certainly that's been our experience all of the uh, projects that i've mentioned that we have up and running and the ones in china have been with the same partner because it's been very successful and there's been a meeting of minds and they understood very early on you know back uh, in the early 2000s when we were planning the first school what shrewsbury school was all about what our ethos our philosophy our dna was about and that just made things so much easier one or two other things I'd highlight. Um, we made a conscious decision early on that we were going to seed senior leadership into new projects. And again, can't overemphasize how well that's worked for us. Just being able to put that Shrewsbury feel into the new schools and make sure that there's someone connected to the you know, the, the mother school in the UK and understands what it's all about and how to make a success of things. And I think um, the, the last point I'll just uh, add before passing on to others is that um, you know, we've made sure that the projects have been driven from the top. We've had governor involvement all the way along. You know, we have governors attending the advisory boards that we have three times a year for the existing schools, uh, but also making sure that local leadership is, is completely engaged. But at the same time, we're very deliberate that it's a collaboration. You know, we're not imposing on the international schools. Um, it is a genuine partnership. It's a two-way collaboration, and that's worked really well for us.
0: Carl, oh, would you like to add to that? Any further points that people need to bear in mind?
2: I, 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 will, I will add some further points, but I would also like to stress, like the speakers before have just done, that the partner is absolutely the one. Lynchpin in this in this, when, when you enter into a new agreement, you need, really need to do your due diligence on the partner. That is by far the most important contributor to future success. And also you're entering into 20, 30 years, some schools even longer contracts. So you really need to have a solid base and you need any any hour spent before you sign the contract with that partner is a, is a well invested time. So just to reiterate that really from our experience as well, and like Martin said as well once you have a partner it becomes easier then to grow with that partner because there's this trust finding the right partner doesn't take a long time and looking back over the last four or five years working at kings we have pulled out of projects where we had gone down quite far and we weren't 100 sure and i don't look back and regret any single decision where we have pulled out because it wasn't quite 100 right it needs to be 100 right um, the the location is I think important if you go to into a crowded market. So if you told me three years ago we would open a school in Bangkok, I would have not quite believed it because it is quite, there is a lot of of, uh, supply there of of very good uh, UK schools already. Uh, But again we were very fortunate with our partner, the location in the cities is outstanding so that helped us. It depends a bit on on the location you're going into, into territory I think. If you go into China I would also stress the importance of having a partner with local educational knowledge. I think that is is really important specifically to China and maybe other countries where the regulations, licenses are a bit more complicated. Uh, And maybe just finally, the head is also a a crucial appointment really. If you get the right head, obviously it's an advantage if you can use somebody from the mothership as it were, to kind of bring that DNA with, with them to the new school that's ideal but if you do point the right head if they spend time at the mothership to really get under the skin of of the, of the school that is also i think a very important part of the puzzle
0: yes it's interesting the point about location i mean i think if you were going to set up 20 schools in the uk today that would be work leaders you wouldn't necessarily choose the locations in which some of them are currently or historically situated, so I think that probably may reinforce the point about, about going abroad, um, setting up abroad now. Um, Mark, do you want to add anything to, to what others have said on, on that point in terms of of, of what you wish you'd known uh, then that you know now, <laughs> without being too specific if you prefer? I'm just
4: going <laughs> <the same>
1: to <laughs> uh, stress the same point about having the right partners, I mean it's absolutely essential. Um, and. Uh, it does go very smoothly, you know, if they know what they're talking and and, and uh, you know you're on the same page. So I think that's
0: the the, the most important thing I've, that's come out of this so far. I think just picking up on the points made, uh, which I was going to come on to, um, the um, uh, you know there is a sense in which it's a, a commercially attractive for a British school to set up abroad, but but like any um, uh, investment or opportunity to to um, make. Uh, a surplus um, uh, having an involvement and engagement in in that investment makes a lot of sense so it it just sort of focusing a little bit on that point um, the 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 sort of management of the relationship I mean you've you've touched on that Um, the, the the nature of how the school here engages there also just a little bit um be useful for others to know how for example Mac, does your role within Shrewsbury International uh, and Shrewsbury here how does that work and, and and you know what's the best model to to optimize the um relationship um through the the sort of resourcing here if you like as well as obviously over uh, uh, in your overseas schools sure so um
3: we've been on a journey I would say you know it started with one or two governors back in you know the early 2000s that were directly dealing with prospective partners and taking forwards the discussions Um, that worked when we had one school clearly when we then moved to two additional schools and now at further three schools um, we realized about a year 18 months ago that that was unsustainable and my role was created to uh, really focus the efforts from an international perspective, working very closely with the governors, working very closely with the headmaster uh, here in the UK, uh, but also with the principals of the international schools and just making sure that we're aligned. Um, We haven't gone down the route that others have gone down in terms of a very formal structure Um, you know, with a sort of holding company and what have you, which I I know is a model that others have used, uh, largely because, as I say, we've taken quite a collaborative approach with the partner and the investor and indeed the individual schools internationally. Uh, And that's, that's worked well for us, but we've had to You know be quite deliberate about that. So I mentioned seeding two of the governors into the advisory boards for example in each of the international schools, making sure there's that regular touch point, uh, making sure that I attend those as uh, an ex officio member as well to keep uh, everything aligned with what we're doing here in the UK. So it's taken some deliberate Um, leadership effort I would say to to tie things together and make sure that we do it in a collaborative way rather than a sort of hard and fast structure with legal agreements that we will visit and inspect you a certain number of times a year um, you know or whatever it might be. And I mean, how
0: important? Obviously, let, let's sort of imagine we're having this conversation in March of this year, rather than in September. But um, how important is it for you, Maggie, or, or actually perhaps I'll ask you, Carl, to 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 be on the road? Uh, how much time would you ordinarily expect to spend um, uh, visiting your your schools overseas? Um, and then I maybe come to you, Mark, on on the same sort of question in terms of you know your your visits to New York or, or China.
2: Yeah, Carl, yeah, my, my role, yes, it is. So I'm I'm quite often on the on the road. I've got a lot of air miles, I used to have before before the pandemic struck. <laughs> uh, but so in, in China there's three board meetings I uh, attend, which is really important. I think that constant visiting and, and engagement on, on the ground is important. Now since then we have board meetings by Assume, they work, but it's not the same. It's not the same if you spend two days, three days at the school. You go into lessons, you have lunch with students, you have lunch with staff, that's all missing. So I think that isn't a really important part of, of what I do here at King's. Obviously it, you need a team to be able to do that. The headmaster couldn't just travel for, that, for five, six times a year for a week uh, to see the overseas schools, especially as, as the network then grows. So the challenge I think is initially, it's, it's the initial hurdle, hurdle where you need to get the income in And then I would really advise any any school, once that is in, to protect the headmaster's time, the bursar's time as well, is to invest into some staffing that can take that burden off
0: off, off the head. Mark, do you want to add to that?
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously keeping in touch with the head in New York was, you know, quite tricky before we got Zoom and uh, Teams and everything. You know, that's now very easy and um, Liz Francis, who is uh, Kate's line manager has regular chats, and the, the time difference is only five hours, which is which is fortunate. But I I do agree with Carl that, uh, however many sort of Zoom calls or team calls you do, you've got to be there and, and do uh, proper governance visits um, uh, in person. So we're looking forward to resuming those uh, once we can get back out there. Um, and two or three days is right. You know, you do want to get in there. To be uh, talk to the staff, be seen by the parents. We always organise some event with the parents to come in so that we can have a, 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 a we can't do that now, but we were doing, you know, the idea of drinks and uh, and canapes and, and, and then the head would say something and then I would say something or uh, you know whoever's there, whether it's Liz. But yes, you've got to get there in person. Uh, in terms of how much I personally spend out in New York, I. I, I last three years I've been out four times um, because we're lucky that we have a uh, uh, ten governors so we can spread this around. So Sir so John has been out there and uh, Graham goes out regularly, Graham Abel our Deputy Chairman um, and uh, Liz will be going out regularly and it was um, Jenny and, and so people do get out there and we're lucky we are, we are spreading it around and therefore the impact on any one individual is not Enormous. It probably is for Carl, <laughs> and it probably is. <laughs> so, so, I think in that sense, we're lucky we can spread the loads. Thanks for asking. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> uh, Pam, just just moving on um, to uh, last couple of themes, really. Um, uh, you know, reputational risks, uh, economic returns. Um, you know, is now a great is, is now the right time to be. Uh, having these thoughts, if if schools are not actually already uh, set up or in partnerships abroad, um, any thoughts on, on on those themes? And and indeed the point Carl made, um, you know, this is presumably, uh, and I expect everyone would agree, but this is uh, not to be entered into lightly, and it's definitely something for the, a very long term, uh, not perhaps necessarily as long as, as Shrewsbury School's been in existence, but it's got to be something for not just a, a five years to help with making up any shortfall or to create a new building in, in, in the UK and then, you know, call it a day. I'm about staying on those points.
4: I think one of the, one of the key things really is, it, it's, you've just said it Edward, really, it's a long-term plan. Um, it's not a quick fix. And is there ever a good time to do anything? And I've said it I said in my own article, there's no time like the present. Uh, I've been asked many times, you know, should we wait a little while? Should we see what happens? No, no, you have to have a long term plan. You have to look out 10, 20, 30 years. Where are you, Where do you want to take this? Um, and not to be nervous about it, but be absolutely clear. And, p- and my colleagues have mentioned governance. To make sure the governors are on board with that, that your finances are secure enough in your own school, but actually there is no time like now to take your school to another territory, but at the very beginning to make sure that you have done the research on the finance that's available from both sides, that the partners are correct and that you're looking at the right things. It's a long-term strategy it cannot be for something that, that sorts things out now. And it also has to be for the right reasons. If it's simply for profit to bring something back into this school, it's never going to go with the heart and the human commitment, as if you have got it as a long-term strategic business and education plan.
0: Thank you. And I wonder whether uh, perhaps just picking up on that theme, uh, maybe um Mark, Megan, or, or Carl you, you could um what are the benefits to the school here uh, and the students here particularly so your your pupils in Shrewsbury and Shropshire or King's in Wimbledon you know uh, as far as they're concerned is this something uh that they, they know about that, that these there are schools there but but uh, is there a meaningful educational benefit if you like um for the British school as well as um obviously an economic one actually Mark do you want to go first and then Megan?
1: Yeah, I, I think um, there's a huge benefit, actually. I mean, it, one of the things we needed to do was to try and distill what the magic of Weatherby is and what the magic of Pembridge Hall is. And I'm sure the same is true of Shrewsbury and KCS Wimbledon. And, you know, you try and think what's the essence of, of what we do here and then how are you going to translate it over? And that in itself is a very interesting exercise it's inevitable when you go to New York, in our case, or, or, or China or Bangkok or wherever, um, that the, the local conditions are different. And then that becomes exciting because you see how what you're doing here um, a, a evolves and adapts to the local, uh, um, you know, environment. And that is interesting. And that is something that our heads have found particularly interesting because all of them have been out. So the head of Weatherby school, the head of mm-hmm. prep, the head of Pembridge Hall, all of them, we've taken them out there and asked for their thoughts and it sent them back to their own schools to be very reflective uh, uh, because they're just seeing a different angle um, and, and in particular of course we called it Weatherby Pembridge because we wanted to make it uh, 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 the idea of, of a boys school but a girls school and and, and so it is a coed school but it's a coed school with a very slight different flavour uh, from our, our normal coed schools over here. Uh, so that some teaching is actually done uh, with just the boys only and with the girls only and, and so on. So that's that's been very interesting as well educationally. So I think there's been huge benefits um, and also in terms of governance. Again, as governors we tend to see things in a certain way, you know, here in London, uh, but actually, you know, we have to adapt and, and, and think differently so lots of positives. I mean, on the educational side, I couldn't recommend it more highly in terms of on the financial side of making everything work. There are, there are lots of things that are a challenge when you open a school abroad um, because you are doing things at 3,000 miles away in our case. And, and even further in the case of China uh, and Bangkok. So I'll hand over to someone yeah, else now. But uh, yes,
0: lots of positives. Uh, Carl, um... A on, on the benefits that you've, you've witnessed uh, in Wimbledon, if you like, um, uh, aside from uh, perhaps a slightly um, happier bursar?
2: <laughs> it's always important, Edward. It's always important bursa record, is happy. Important. <laughs> you, you, it's very, very important. Uh, no, certainly it's been a, a real enrichment, I would say, to the King's community. And yes, the, obviously, student, uh, it goes for students and staff. Really, I think it's the two main groups that have benefited from this enrichment. Uh, it's quite interesting whenever you you do, whenever I do an assembly to a new year group about the schools. You show the pictures. You share. You share that they've got the same house system. They've got the same names. So there's automatically and straight away there's this link between these two schools, and you can see in the faces of the children the enthusiasm and the interest in these sister schools overseas. And whenever we have had any any initiatives, to, whether it's exchanges, whether it's on the co-curricular front, some clubs and societies where students work together, the uptake has been incredible. And I think it really goes to show that uh, there is a really real benefit for the UK school as well. It's a win-win situation really, you know, both sides benefit, which is fantastic for us. And just maybe one point, we talked about COVID before, and actually we've, we've, we've more and more things are being done online here as well because of the bubble system. And when bubbles go home, you have to still be able to provide even the co-curricular program. We've found that there's even more opportunity now to engage. So we're doing, a, it's called the Robert Graves Society. There was just this afternoon, which is expert speakers coming into King's now online as well. Uh, and th- that's now live streamed. So that now opens up the opportunity for all of our sister schools to join in. So again, COVID has opened up and has accelerated probably a lot of the way you can cooperate and collaborate really effectively and efficiently.
0: Thank you, Carl. Yes, uh, Maggie, uh, anything to add to what? To uh, avoid- no, I'd, I'd say. echo
3: all of those thoughts. Um, we had a, yeah, an active GAP program with the Bangkok school that has grown from strength to strength. Uh, And in particular, the point about recent months and the remote learning programs that we've developed in the UK, as well as in in the international schools, have given a real opportunity for collaboration. And I think, you know, in in essence, we're trying to use these opportunities to create a global mindset within our pupils and our staff. Uh, Of course, it is about the financial Um, you know, uh, incentives as well, but we we genuinely mean that. And I think the long term, um, you know, nature of of the uh, projects means that we can take things forwards. And we're looking specifically at strengthening the academic programme, looking at futures and higher education uh, destinations and collaborating with the international schools, for example, in Bangkok, We've got uh, considerable strength in getting pupils into Ivy League uh, destinations in the US, whereas in the UK, of course, we enjoy uh, experience with Oxbridge. So just sharing some of those, um, you know, strengths across the group of schools is proving to be uh, Really effective, and COVID has accelerated that. Just echoing uh, Carl's point there, uh, and and so many other opportunities actually that are in front of us. It's uh, it's pretty exciting from that perspective.
0: Thank you. I mean, I I would just say that um, I suspected it would be the case for those of you watching at at home or in your office or indeed in your home office. um, That This has been a a fairly fast and and, and stimulating 45 minutes um, and and it's coming to an end, sadly. Um, So um, I would just like uh, to ask if any of the speakers have uh, anything to add, anything we've not touched on. I think we've covered most of the items, which I would hope to, but uh, any final thoughts, a couple of sentences from any of you particularly focused on those schools or or heads or chairs of governors who are thinking, should they or shouldn't they uh, invest time, resource and in in, um, going on this journey that you've all embarked on? Uh, Carl, do you want to go first?
2: Well, really, it's an exciting journey to go on. Uh, I think it is challenging. There are different challenges along the way, but it's certainly worth doing the opportunities are there, and I think it will have a real impact on the homeschool, on the mothership back in the UK, both as we said financially, I think that is an important aspect of when, you know, openly speaking, uh, but also educationally. So uh, good luck with everything you're planning to do. And uh, it's certainly an interesting journey and, and, uh, and uh, a stimulating journey.
0: Thank you, Pam.
4: Yes, absolutely. I guess mine is slightly different um, in that I would just advise and then suggest that people look broadly. Um, We've talked about some amazing countries where my colleagues are are positioned. Other countries are also available. Um, At the moment I am inundated with people wanting to find partnerships in the UK. So there are countries like Nigeria, um, like West Africa, Nigeria particularly, East Africa, Japan is starting to look for partnerships. The U.S. is very open and more parts of the U.S. are opening up too. Um, And also just to make colleagues aware that early childhood is a very popular aspect that people are looking at. Mark's mentioned it several times. So I'd just say look at the countries that have been advertised, if you like, today. But please don't ignore the fact that brand new markets are opening up all the time. And they are very, very positive markets. And good luck. Thank you. Megan.
0: So
3: I I would just... um, Want to make the point about the first project often being, you know, the most difficult, but also the most important. And almost once you're over that initial hump, uh, both in terms of, you know, investing time, investing resources, you know, once you reach that state where you are starting to see the returns, not just financial, but also some of the other benefits that we spoke about earlier, the journey does become a lot easier and you tend to find that the second and the third and then, you know, the sixth um, you know, not not necessarily routine, but you know, you know all the pitfalls. You've gone through all the um, hurdles, uh, and there's a sort of muscle memory, if I can put it that way, within the organisation. Uh, and you know, it's a strong foundation for further growth, and that's certainly what we're seeing in this next phase of our uh, international
1: expansion.
0: Thank you, and and final thoughts uh, from Mark, please.
1: Yes, I, I, I think um, it's important to uh, you know, not be apologetic about the fact you're going abroad to hopefully bring some money back to the mothership, um, but actually you've got to embrace these educational opportunities and, and that's, a, that's a strong driver uh, for doing it and it is for us. You know, Alpha Plus is an education company first and foremost and we really enjoy you know, this sort of project, uh, whether it's in China or, or, or if it's in America. Uh, and there are other parts of the world, as Pam has, has said, which we which we will look at in, in, in due course. And not to be too worried by Covid, because if it's not Covid it was Brexit, if it's not Brexit it was the 2009, finale. I mean whatever, there's always something. So if you've got to take a long-term view, as has been said, and these, these major bumps along the way do actually in the end, you know, you get some smooth bits on the other side before the next bump comes along. So, Take a long-term view of this, don't be put off uh, by the challenges. Get some really good advice, um, find really good partners uh, and find patient investors.
0: Thank you Mark. Um, I, I might just uh, add uh, for everybody, um, uh, those of you who have not read the report yet, but as Lord billamoria says in his uh, preface, uh, I encourage those thinking of taking on new endeavours in this time to be bold. British education has such a strong reputation across the world. Indeed, its world-class institution deserves to succeed whether they, wherever they choose to establish overseas partnerships. This report demonstrates their energy, enthusiasm and educational engagement and I welcome its publication as a contribution to celebrating one of Britain's great exports. And I think you've all shown that today. The report shows that. In the midst of six months of some pretty depressing news uh, amongst concerns at the start of a new academic year, would would anyone turn up, certainly anyone from abroad? Well, they have, and they might be um, learning online as well. Um, They they might have the best of both worlds. uh, i think hopefully we we, we we've shown that um, there it's not all gloom out there uh, there's, there's great opportunities to be seized uh, many of you are in, uh, watching today are in the midst of of those partnerships um do look at our report. Um, thank you, Mark and Alpha Plus for supporting both this and its prequel. Uh, they're all downloadable now on the Wildsearch uh, website, wildsearch.org. Uh, we look forward to joining you again, and I think we've, hopefully we can uh, discuss these themes uh, in the future, uh, whether or not there is a report to be launched. But thank you, all of you, today. Thank you for joining us. Uh, the report uh, is there, and the webinar will be available uh, in due course as well. Okay, thank you.